it's time for Cubicle Insanity. Kim and I are back together again to chat a little bit about uh, everything we love about corporate America. So let's get into our latest Cubicle Insanity. A term that has been added to our vocabulary in the last couple of years, well, actually for me, maybe just the last couple of weeks, Kim, since you pointed it out to me, I'm a, I'm a bit of a laggard in, in picking up this, this new terminology, but since you made me aware of it, I have noticed it a lot on Twitter and in the news and referring to a lot of the, I'll call it newer maybe companies that are popping up, and that term is the gig economy. But before we dive in to talking about the gig economy, Kim, let's lay the foundation because this is, uh, I think, viewed as a bit of a new and, uh, and, and flashy and hip new way of working, new companies. But actually, the more I pay attention to it, the more I'm thinking it's maybe just a new term for an existing uh, concept or premise. And so I'm thinking, let's first lay the foundation. Let's talk a little bit about uh, a few of our past experiences and sort of what we believe to be those foundational pieces of uh, companies and jobs and see how that then relates to the gig economy. Sound good? Sounds good. So if I think about um, my first job. So first off, you know, there was this commercial the other day that I saw, and it was for McDonald's restaurants. And it was, I don't remember the whole premise of it, but the tagline at the end was called America's First Best Job. And McDonald's happens to have been my first job. And best. <laughs> and it, you know what? It really was a fantastic job. It set a lot of um, core foundational things that have stuck with me and have applied throughout my entire career. But I would say the biggest lesson that I learned from McDonald restaurants um, was that the customer is first. The customer is always right. Give them what they want and what they've asked for, not what you think that they should have, like, in the case of McDonald's hamburgers, you know, hey, maybe you want them to have a Big Mac and they really ordered a quarter pounder with cheese or whatever it was they ordered, but listen to the customer. So if I think about that in any manufacturing setting, for example, sometimes companies will build something and think, oh, if we build it, they will come. <laughs> if we make a sandwich at McDonald's, they will come and get whatever sandwich we make. Okay, maybe a little bit, but... Um, the biggest lesson, again, was really customer first, listen to the customer. What about you? What was your first job? Well, so for you, at least your first job still exists today as a job. I don't think mine does. Um, my first job was I was a medical records clerk. So what that means is there used to be paper folders, if you'll remember, uh, that had some sort of uh, numbering scheme that your doctor kept all of the notes and results mm. and whatnot in, if you'll remember. And so the more you go to the doctor, the thicker your file became. And we worked in the basement of the clinic. Oh, that sounds right? appealing. I mean, it was it was some good times. Um, although, quite honestly, it was a pretty important piece of the the whole clinic and how it ran because the you know, there was appointments that were made. So, you know, those were, you know, pulled ahead of time. So they were ready. But, you know, sometimes you just show up that day or there's some sort of emergency and we need to 
you know, make sure that we get that filed to the doctor at the right time. So the, the head of the department, um, she really instilled in, so there was two people, two types of people who worked in medical records. There was, um, some ladies who had worked there for, for many years, um, were quite experienced in what they did. And then there was us like high school kids that got hired in, um, for the summers, maybe a little bit of, uh, spring into fall, but mainly for the summers. And she really stressed that we need to be efficient. I mean, if you think about pulling records for appointments or, you know, for the, uh, day of, uh, show up people also putting them back in the right place. So she really stressed, you need to be efficient, but you have to do it the right way the first time. Otherwise we're losing people's medical records. If we don't put it back in the right place or we're not putting it, you know, uh, in the right place to get it to that doctor. So she was, um, she ran a tight ship and those things were very important. And so they were adhered to by everybody who worked there. So, um, probably, uh, the people who are now, you know, in charge of all of the, uh, the, the content type of technology where our medical records sit still equally as important. There's gotta be a whole, a whole system to it. Again, it has to be efficient and done the right way. Understandably like the data privacy. Yeah. Leading all the HIPAA and everything. Right. Good. So I also think about like my first job out of university. And it was at the time McDonnell Douglas, which is now Boeing. Um, the thing that was so critical, well, one, building aircraft, military aircraft, making sure that they stayed in the air, of course, was absolute critical. Um, but the other thing that was that was critical for us as employees was that we had this phrase, and it was always take the high road. Never take the low road. Always take the high road. And it was about ethics. We had a lot of training around ethics. And it's understandable because as a, it was, you know, we were building um, military aircraft, so we were de dealing with other um, governments where, you know, there could be, opportunities for bribery right that was one of the biggest key things um which is then why we had so much training on ethics and always take the high road always take i i it has stuck with me and whenever you know you kind of get one of those situations like oh what do i do i it, it just automatically pops in my head take the high road yeah that that's a good one i am so my first job out of college was at Anderson Consulting, now Accenture. So uh, interest, interesting that uh, my two firsts of jobs um, sort of are no longer existing um, in certain ways. So um, ethics is an, you know, I think we talked about that. But the thing that I remember most is I'm going to say clients come first, or like you were talking about with McDonald's, customers come first, in that talking with them about, so I was in the in the technology area, and it was understanding what their requirements were. And along with that, be proactive. So this could, I mean, I was not in probably um, the similar ethical situations that you were, but it was about being proactive and 
I'll throw in there like innovative. So if, if the customer is saying, this is what my requirements are, don't just take them at that you know face value, try to make it better. So if they're saying one thing, really understand what the end goal is. So it wasn't about, let's just, they, they asked for this, so let's just replace what they have. Rather, let's do the best thing by our customer. They come first, so let's be proactive and innovative to get them to the end game that they're really looking for. And of course, being in consulting, you know, it's about managing money and hours and and, yeah. and billing and all of those kinds of things. Yeah, around the customer, both, you know, McDonald Hamburger and at the consulting, um, you may not know, the customer says, hey, I want X. And okay, to your point, you can just replace X for them. Sometimes it's, I think customers appreciate if you offer a suggestion as well. Right. So if I think back to McDonald Hamburgers, we were always told, you know, suggest to sell. If somebody just orders a hamburger, you would say, would you like fries with that? Hence the, you know, the kind of <laughs> joke, hey, would you like fries with that? Okay, funny. But it was one of the things, it, it, so I would think like in consulting, somebody might say, I want X, and you go, okay, we can provide X, but we've got this new tool or this new gadget or this new workflow, whatever it might be, yeah. to improve what you're doing. Right, exactly. Because sometimes when, and we, you know, we probably do this in a lot of our everyday lives too, but you think, this is how I have it today. And sometimes we don't think beyond that. We just know we need this new this new thing. So like, for example, I just got new appliances, which I um, yeah. am loving. I, I mean, my bare requirement was like, I need a new refrigerator. But... I didn't even know. I haven't looked at refrigerators in, you know, 15 years. I didn't even know all of the great little uh, uh, sort of things that happen with refrigerators today, right? There's like so many great things. And I have a drawer that can, you know, I can adjust the temperature on. So it's like pretty much a freezer. Uh, I have been using it to chill wine. But like, I didn't even know these were options. And so to that point, just like, you know, would you like fries with that? Should we make that a meal? Um, just even sharing, again, being proactive and, and stating what might be, um, something they haven't even thought about. So it sort of opens their eyes to the possibilities versus just a straight up replacement. So this gig economy. So I, I think we've kind of laid the foundation here and, and sort of the things that were instilled in us in our in our early days and quite honestly you probably feel the same way i feel like those things are still with me like i still have you know those similar thoughts um maybe i don't relate it back to that that job today but when i'm doing something like you said take the high road still pops into your mind like be efficient do it the right way for the first time why don't do it halfway just right. do it the right way the yeah. first time so this gig economy kim the definition. So the gig economy, what I've learned is it is a labor market characterized by the prevalence of a short-term contracts or freelance work as opposed to permanent jobs. The other definition is working in the gig economy. So one of the things it means is that you're subject to last, a lot of last-minute scheduling. I don't know that how that really is a definition, but I think it's more, you know, the prevalence of short-term contracts and freelance work. Yeah, which doesn't really, I mean, doesn't sound like a new 
way of working or a new um anything i I, you know i mean i think back to you know prior prior jobs and and people talked about like uh freelancing or i'm going to be an independent contractor um and things like that so to me it's very similar right agreed and for the longest time there's been companies like kelly services that back in the day would send in, you know, a temporary receptionist or a temporary clerk of some sort, you know, way back when. So it's, I don't think it's anything new. I think it's rebranded, but there's new, a new twist on it. Yeah. And, and technology uh, definitely plays a part, I think, in some Absolutely. of Absolutely. The other, um, the other piece where, when you know, now that I've been paying attention to it, is there are some references still to kind of the freelancing and that, but um, you were saying about last minute scheduling. On the flip side, I see it referenced to a lot as I get to decide what hours I work, which was, I, I think, you know, back in, back in the day, uh, why people wanted the sort of independent contracting or those people who would retire but then, you know, come back and work part-time because right. maybe, you know, certain uh, businesses didn't have a lot of part-timers or, yeah. you know, various things, but then they could at least define their hours. So I kind of have, you know, been seeing it defined uh, from the worker's perspective. Yeah. If you think about the lessons that we both have learned in our first couple of jobs and how they apply to the gig economy, take, for example, like, one of the most popular, there's several, but one of the most popular gig economy companies is like an Uber. Yeah. You know, tap on an app, somebody shows up, picks you up, takes you, they work when they want and when they don't want. But the lessons that we both learned applies to these Uber drivers, for example, or any of the temp employees, or gig employees, I should say, not temp, but gig employees, because... It's all about the ratings that you receive back after you provide that service. So, again, I'm going to pick on Uber. You know, at the end of your ride, you give them up to five stars depending upon the service. So if you're thinking about if you are the customer, as a customer, did I have a good experience? Yes or no? And then you kind of go from there. Did they take the scenic route in order to hike up the fare? Okay, less like, so that's not very ethical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not paying attention to what the customer wants. It's not very efficient to your first job. You know, did they do it right the first time? Mm-hmm. No, they didn't bang up the car. So okay, we're they they did that right. Yeah, we're okay. But again, it goes to that rating, and so these lessons that you and I have learned apply to the gig economy. I think even more so because to get repeat business, it's based upon your rating. Right. And honestly, so while you were talking there, I was also thinking the workers concerned about that rating, but even the reason like an Uber or uh, Lyft, Airbnb, like some of these that all kind of classifies as gig coming where, yes, I, I choose to work at this time in doing this thing. Um, the inception of these came out of customer need. Yeah. That, so, uh, Uber versus your taxis. You know, people were like, I have to pay, you know, sometimes in some cities they, they'll they have, you know, just to go across the city, it's a, a flat fee. 
but they could do it at the time taxis could because there wasn't competition there yeah there weren't any other choices and so even some of these things have been driven from customers being like there's got to be a better and uh, you know and so i'm sure the people who you know uh invented what do you call it when you start a company started up these the entrepreneurs the entrepreneurs yeah they got frustrated by being in the situations of taxis and hotels and you know whatever there's got to yeah. be a, a a better way so even that sort of customer driven idea so if you think about just the gig economy doing a little research on it um i came across some statistics and it says currently one in three work in the gig economy and most of them by choice, which I found very interesting. Yeah. It also stated like 23% are under 25 years old. 21% are low-income households that are in the working at, in the gig economy. 8% are seniors, which was interesting. Yeah. What I found absolutely kind of mind-blowing was 51% of the workers in the gig economy are women. 51%. I, that, that is very interesting. And I wonder, is that different than, you know, let's go back 10, 15 years when it was more of a, like an independent contracting type of a role or a, or a freelance role? Because those, I mean, like you said, like maybe there was, you know, receptionists or we think of, you know, different, uh, you know, journalists or authors or um, office workers, things like this. Was the number different, especially for women? I mean, seniors, I think this is convenient that, you know, maybe they've retired and think, oh, I'll spend a few hours, you know, doing this or that. So I, I would assume that number's gone up. Well, maybe not. Uh, I would think so. You know, the seniors, um, I, I think, will probably grow much faster as um, we get – as more and more people retire, especially like the last bit of the baby boomers, because there may or may not be Social Security. Sure. Most companies are getting away from pensions, so it's all dependent upon you for your 401k or whatever savings you have. So you probably are going to have to supplement. So I would think that the seniors' population grows. They may have a house in a cold climate, like, I don't know, Maine, for example, and stay there in the summertime, but then in the wintertime go to Arizona for where they have another house. So they might rent out either of those houses. That's all part of this gig economy yeah. because you do it through like Airbnb or something mm -hmm. like that. So I agree. I The seniors is that one I found interesting as well. And also the women, but you know, from that worker perspective, like I said, I've been noticing it's about, I want to choose the hours. So yeah. Is this the new um, stay-at-home mom? My kids are now in school, and so I have the hours between roughly eight thirty and you know three o'clock, whenever kids are in school, whatever yeah. those hours happen to be. Um, so now I have these hours that I could do something, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe drive an Uber, maybe you know whatever it is. Right. But then I am still there to you know drop my kids off at school, pick them up, or whatever is. It's going on during this time. Yeah. And I wonder about the 51% of females or women. Are they more, what What are those? I, I couldn't find any research that kind of 
bucketize them? Are they more in a creative space? Or are they more in a um, service, such as like an Uber, for mm -hmm. example? Right. Or what space are they in that is such a large... There's, I think there's more to come on that. So I think that's for a future podcast, future Q&A session. We'll figure that out, yeah. We're and we'll dig more to figure out where those buckets are. Yeah, I think so. That I mean... I mean, and even the under 25 is, is interesting, but you know, that's maybe a millennial discussion we have at some point. That part was less uh, surprising to me because I wonder if, what I don't know is um, if it takes into account like people maybe working at some fast food restaurants, if they're, if they're considering that because it's, although it's not, um, it is permanent employment technically. You can't set your own hours uh, per se because it's when the restaurant, for example, needs you. Right. So I don't know how they classified that either. I think. Oh, we, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good question. Or uh, is it a lot of people like um, on Itzy, for example, who did the artwork for our website, cubicleinsanity.com? Right. Exactly. That's choosing your own hours and yeah. choosing when you're going to work. Yeah. So that's I that. I, I was not surprised, I don't think, to see 23% under 25 because of just, I'm going to call it the stereotypes of the millennials, yeah. but what it, it would be interesting that we go back and do a little bit more, see if we can find out what, like you said, what are the, what's really considered when they're looking at these numbers, what's really considered yeah. in that. Yeah. So more digging. More digging. When I think about it though, Kim, uh, I mean, obviously there's pros and cons and the, if if we start from the company perspective, so both of us with our HR backgrounds, I, I'm thinking it from the company perspective. I think that the good thing is they're not a full-time employee. So if I'm a company, I have this person come in for the number of hours and I can agree upon whatever that cost or price might be that I'm going to pay for that. But I don't have to pay them for benefits. I don't have to think about them for the long term. So when I'm doing my forecasting, it's more of a, a project maybe cost versus an employee cost. Right. I think the, the administrative part of it goes down. When I say administrative, like the career discussions, the yeah. merit planning, the coaching, the mentoring, all that. So, yeah. yeah. And I get this person who's hopefully an expert. Right. I bring them in. And and I'm I guess again this is about corporate America so I'm thinking more about corporate America how I would use these folks in, in the gig economy but hopefully they're an expert in this particular area I bring them in to help with my need and then back out they go well it shouldn't be to your point you just said I hope that they're an expert so that's kind of the interesting thing is with the rating app like this person has five stars and you can also write your comments because you're basically a self-employed person so you'd have your own app I would think and you'd go through and if you're going to purchase their services maybe go through and read what other customers or other people have had their what their experiences have been right like a Yelp <laughs> exactly yeah exactly and see, and see what people are saying so I the my hesitation though from the company perspective still is engagement so if I, and I suppose it depends on the volume and whatnot, but 
if I'm bringing these people in for short-term assignments to work on something very specific, I'm, I'm going to imagine that this is something very important to my company. That's why I'm bringing somebody in to help out with it. But there's no engagement. They, they don't have skin in the game, if you will. And so they're coming in, uh, spewing out their expertise, providing whatever it is that we've asked, and they are back out the door. So, I mean, I've contained my costs, but now they're leaving something behind for the people and they, they're not engaged with the people. Yeah. So do you think that that leaves that the project or whatever you purchase them for, for like say corporate America, that it's as effective because they don't have the network. They don't know the people. So say you purchase their services for, I don't know, 100 hours to do a project. And it's not completed because they don't have the network. They don't know who to go to. Then does it become start to become pro, um, a cost overrun on the project, or do you just cut it off? You know, that's a good question. Because the other thing along those same lines is now, I mean, I'm thinking whatever this thing is, someone's going to have to maintain it. Someone's right. going to have to own it after this person leaves. And to your point, if someone's not engaged, so, you know, I think that some, like, for example, in IT, having people come in and do something and leave in, in these sort of temporary roles, not called gig economy in the past, but having them come in, take care of things, sometimes it's very defined and what they have done is done when they leave. Mm -hmm. And it's all around the technology. So as long as they have that particular knowledge and skill, they can do it and, and it works out. When I think about some of the other things around, so talent is a big discussion. And so if I'm bringing somebody in to help talk about how do we do succession planning, how do we engage our employees and, and some of those types of things, there's people who have great expertise in these areas. But it's not like you can take a canned solution from one place and do it somewhere else and it's going to work as well. So I think that's where you're going to is yeah. that's where without having that engagement as an employee would or the skin in the game, are you getting the same type of output, the same product? Yeah. Yep. Agree. But I think from an employee's perspective, I think that there's a lot of pros. Like as, as, as an individual, I think that there's a lot of pros if you don't like the people, the company that you work for, of course, you know, in you in the U.S., we're all employment at will, so at any time we can leave. But then when you go to put your resume in another company and it shows like every two months you've sh jumped from job to job, you know, we know for a fact that people look at the resume and go, oh, they're a job hopper and uh, I don't know that I'm going to take a risk. I don't know how long this person's going to stay. Whereas in this gig economy... It's okay. You can yeah. go from place to place because you're in the gig economy. It's fine. Right, it's fine. that's your job. And and I think probably it's perceived the more that you more places you've been, the better your your sales pitch is for yourself. Right. That now I have this much more experience and these right. many more. Here's all my customers mm -hmm. and look at my credentials. It gives you the flexibility. Like if you want to take a trip of a lifetime and it's a month long or something like that, you want to go on safari, you can do that. Because a lot of companies, I think, still have a traditional vacation policy. 
X amount of weeks per year, X amount of holidays per year. I mean, I know companies are changing to a more permissive time off, but I think not every company is there yet. So it does give you that flexibility. And if you have a family situation where you can only work Saturdays and Sundays and whatever, it gives you that flexibility. And it's also, it's, it's not that threatening. Right. Right. Cause you feel like you're the expert and they've, they want you to come in and do this. And, and so that's what you're there for. And if it turns out that they want something different or things change, then you just leave with your yeah. expertise and, and go somewhere else. Yeah. But there's some also some cons to this. Yeah. And this is the part that makes me go, I'm not sure that, you know, being part of this gig economy is really for me. I'm not sure I can, as long as I've been in the traditional corporate America, I'm not sure I can, I have the intestinal fortitude yeah. for this. It's a little but, bit of the fear of the unknown, I think, for it me. It is. It is. But then does that say we're a Afraid of change? I don't know. We, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> but think about it. You know, you don't have probably the traditional benefits, mm-hmm. health insurance, 401k match, some of those other things. Yeah. Um, you have to cover your own taxes. You have to be responsible for that. The ownership, because if you do a half-assed job, you're not going to get the five-star rating. Yeah. You're going to get one star, and then... Next, it's no stars and no jobs. Right, exactly. It's That's a little... I mean, we have to worry about these things being employees. Right. But those are the, those are the things I think that would... that concern me. But, I mean, we, we have, you know, performance reviews. And we have... So all of these things impact us today just in a little yeah. bit of a... a little bit of a different... a little bit of a different way. I, I thought of a story. So you were talking about family situations. So on the pro side for a person that if they have a family situation, you said it reminded me of, I had an Uber driver once and I want to say his wife worked third shift. And so he did a lot. He didn't you know drive all night long, but that's when he had a, he had a, a job during the day. They would have dinner together, you know, whatever. And when she would go to work, he would go drive Uber for a couple of hours just because he didn't want to sit at home. Hmm. So I thought that was interesting. So to your point, I just, I would just recalled him telling me that story yeah, um, on the way to the airport. Yeah. So, you know, thinking about benefits and those of us that have worked in corporate America for quite some time, we're used to having benefits, right? And um, so, again, doing a little bit of research, Senator Mark Warren out of Virginia, he's introduced a bill that would give about $20 million to fund a pilot with the uh, Labor Department that would look into new or existing models that make benefits portable, which I found interesting. And what it went on to say a little bit is that, so if I worked for Company X, and I have whatever benefits, let's just pick health care, basic health care, dental vision, okay, just a basic benefit package, that if I were to leave that company, I could purchase those benefits independently. Now, it makes you kind of say, well, of course, that's COBRA or whatever it could be. 
but it would still kind of be on their plan, but portable from company to company. I'm not sure how that's going to work. That's going to be interesting. That is going to be interesting. I wonder if they have to work with the healthcare providers in how that would become its own new plan if it's not Cobra, if it's some different type of plan. So you'd have to have them on board. But I suppose if they're getting paid, they could figure out how to set up. Yeah. I just found it interesting that, you know, the, the senators and, you know, our legislative folks are thinking in these terms and are thinking about the future of the workforce. And how it's changing. And how it's changing and what legislation they may need to introduce or other initiatives they may need to introduce to support the future workforce. Yeah. Well, okay, so speaking of legislation, and I know that you did a little research on this, and that's labor laws. I know that in a couple of states there have been some big lawsuits um, with Uber, and that's around whether those Uber drivers are employees. So, you know, in even today, but, you know, ongoing with these types of, I'll call them temp or contract employees, the concern of co-employment has been there. And so I know that there have been some big lawsuits about the, these Uber drivers, if they are, if they should be technically considered employees, although Uber doesn't consider them employees, should they be considered employees? similar to, you know, kind of a co-employment. So I do think that there's going to be groundbreaking uh, legislation based on some of these lawsuits that are coming out and what that means to these companies and what it means to the gig economy and what it means to have those jobs. Yeah, because think about, like, worker protections, certain things. Yeah. Like, just think about um, OSHA standards, like, for protecting the employees. Do the, how differently will those potentially change in right. the gig economy? If you're not considered an employee and you're doing these types of jobs, mm-hmm. it's interesting. It is. It really is. As you think about, you know, the gig economy, as we think about, you know, our careers, and we're not new in the workforce. I will tell you that, listeners. <laughs> We're not ready to retire yet, but we're getting awfully close. <laughs> we like to think about it. It's starting to become a little bit of a dream. But think about the retirement for people in the gig economy. Is there retirement? Retirement has changed, I think, significantly, even in, let's call it the last 10 years. You talked about pension plans earlier. Not really a thing anymore. And companies mm-hmm. have definitely been making that move to eliminate them. In various ways, even trying to pay them out now so they don't have to carry that liability. So what? We've already seen such a big change. What does it mean for the future with workers like this? Yeah, so one of the things I did find in some of the research I was doing is there's such thing as what's called now a solo 401k. So you can set up your own 401k and... Of course, there's not a company match, but I know more and more companies are getting away from a company match. But you, you know, you really have to be very disciplined to save in this 401k. So, 
that's um, that's going to be interesting as to where that goes as well. I think, you know, that we've kind of only scratched the surface on some of these topics. I think there's more to come on it. But yes. in doing some of this research, one of the things that I found most fascinating, other than the 51% of women in the gig economy, is that 65% of kids entering elementary school this year, by the time they graduate college, will wind up, wind up working in jobs that don't even exist today. That's so crazy to think about, isn't it? It is. So if you're five years old, by the time you're 22, there's going to be that many new types of jobs. Mm -hmm. I, I mentioned this to somebody the other day, and they go, well, what kind of jobs do you think that they will be? I said, they haven't even been created yet, so I don't know what they'll be. Right. I mean, I think that they'll be around telecommunications and advancements in the computer world, IT, things like that, but I have absolutely no clue. No. Well, think about even how many years ago podcasting wasn't right. even a right a thing. Yeah. So things that we can't even dream of are going to be jobs. Like my grandmother lived till she was 101. Wow. And even you know till she was 101 in her house she had a rotary dial phone. And I had a rotary dial phone, you know, in my childhood. But what was interesting is to watch my children try to interact with, even before cell phones, but just trying to, it wasn't push buttons. So what do I do with this, this thing? And so when you think about some of those changes that have happened, you can't even, I mean, imagine. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if I look into a crystal ball, the only, the one thing I think I can imagine is, is the um, artificial intelligence, the robotics. Yeah. I think that there'll be a lot of, jobs around and in that space mm -hmm. automation automation but what it is how it works what those jobs are i don't know i will be retired and being in the gig economy drive my little Uber <laughs> i don't know <laughs> or sitting on the beach testing tequila for somebody anyway uh i think we've exhausted this topic or at least scratched the surface of the gig economy we've wet our appetites yeah more to come on this so, Tammy, should we state the obvious? Yeah, let's let's state the obvious. I'm going to go back to, you know, we started with laying that foundation and those sort of key fundamentals that were instilled in us in our first jobs, even if those jobs don't exist today, they still apply whether you're in corporate America or whether you're in this gig economy and and doing the 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 freelancing type of jobs. There's lots of pros and cons for the companies and for the individuals. And like we said, it's something that maybe you and I aren't comfortable with some of those things. But it seems like the future, based on what some of the legislation is doing, that we're going to see different things happening, which may make it more appealing to even more people. So we might see some of those percentages increase in lots of different categories. Yeah. We will in the future so we'll put this on our list of something to you know dig into and, and revisit in the future great thank you to all of you that are listening thank you to those that are serving in our military and those that are first responders who protect us and thank you for listening once again to cubicle insanity insanity and stay tuned for our next episode of cubicle insanity <laughs>